Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner. This is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you are listening to the Church Planner Podcast, and we do offer our deepest condolences. Woohoo! Good for you! Yay! Good day for you as a Church Planner! Welcome to the podcast! <laughs> that was the most annoying <laughs> <laughs> intro ever. It was It was like a party in my mind for Church Planners, and I had to share it with you. I had to invite you all. You're, you're all welcome to this party. We are um, together doing the podcast today, which doesn't normally happen for your benefit. Actually. Our knees are almost touching. This is kind of weird. Our knees are almost talking, and boy, is my dog licking you. <laughs> your dog is licking my hand. That's okay. That's a safe zone. <laughs> <laughs> you can lick me there, dog, but I draw the line past the wrist. Um, so anyway, moving right along uh, to the Church Planner Podcast, if this is your first time joining us, we do a little something-something called Smack Talk, where we tell you basically what's been going on in our lives. Yeah, and we, we our real topic today is going to later be when, uh, when, when you get screwed over in ministry. Because if you've been in ministry for any period of time, that's going to happen. How do you deal with the pain? How do you deal with the fallout? How do you move on? And uh, how do you heal? And so we're going to talk about all those things a little so bit later. Is it going to be more than just me telling them to suck it up, buttercup? No, pretty much. Uh, we better have a lot of smack talk because that's all it's going to be. <laughs> so um, anyway, guys, we did get some great uh, reviews this last week. And I, I keep trying to find them here on my computer screen so I can read them to you. And we got some emails too. So I got these all right here. Let me start off with this one. This is from uh, RT Deep Blue. No episode in two weeks. That was unbearable. I've been listening to the podcast for over a year and initially overdosed on catching up 
Smack Talk went from a waste of time to something I look forward to. <laughs> I recently moved from the UK to DC, so I appreciate the UK references and perspectives as I try to figure out how and if to church plant. Keep up the great work. Thanks. And R2 Deep Blue, which I just kind of like the name. Thank you so much for your uh, Don't Take the Smack Talk Away From Me review. And as our gift to you for giving us such a, a fabulous five-star review, we've got free swag for you. By the way, guys, when you do leave us a review, you don't have to wait for us to read it on the podcast. You can just go straight to your app, hit the little, uh, open up Church Planner Magazine on your Android or iPhone, go down to the bottom right corner, there's a little gear icon, tap that thing, up will come a little screen, and one of the things will say, like, contact us here now, or contact support, something like that. You tap that button. It's going to email me your device token, and that way I can unlock some of the paid stuff that we've got there in the app for you. So you can leave us an app on Church Planner Podcast, Hardcore Church Planning, or the Church Planner Magazine itself. All three of those we will happily give you free swag when you give us a positive review. Leaving us huh. a negative review will result in us hunting you down on the internet and making fun of you. On the podcast. we Yeah, and you will be a repeat offender because we will keep bringing up your sin on the podcast. <laughs> we, because I don't heal too well from injuries <laughs> like that. Yes. This this is aimed at Pete. This is actually, you know, when you get screwed over in ministry, it's actually a veiled way of us, you know, doing a little heart surgery on uh, the old uh, Big Gun Maverick. So another review we got was uh, with the headline, Spiritual Pizza. This is from Big Bird 5000, <laughs> which yet again is another great name. I will describe this podcast as my spiritual pizza. It maintains the perfect balance, not too casual, not too serious, yet it still provokes deep thought. Pizza contains many vegetables that I never would have started eating had it not been given to me on a pizza first. <laughs> Similarly, I would have stumbled onto church planting, or I wouldn't have stumbled onto church planting. Or this podcast, had it not been for my podcast addiction. Ah, uh, addiction. You should check out the episode we just did on marijuana. Uh, anyway, moving right along. <laughs> I ended up over here looking for youth ministry tips. Boy, did you come to the wrong podcast. <laughs> and I'm not even a church planner yet, only a youth and worship leader. But after listening for a year, my understanding of ministry is changing. My vision is developing. When I began ministry, I had no idea what I was doing, but now I'm beginning to think like a church planner in my current ministry. This podcast has also shifted my focus from inside the church to outside the church. It's helped me learn how to put my ministry more in line with what Jesus wants instead of doing things completely based on results and numbers. Without it, I'd still be doing ministry with an inside the church mentality. The, testo uh, the testimony on this podcast has also been very encouraging. Which podcast was this? No, this has to be. Uh, this, is, this is Church Planner. Yeah. Yeah. I love ministry to death, but I'm part of a team revitalizing a church with a difficult past and live with devastating family circumstances that are out of my control. It's exhausting so many times I just hit a wall. When I feel like I'm totally out of fuel, I come here just to hear what God has done and help me get focused back in the right place. He gives me tools and a plan to move forward with. We signed our church up for MoGive! M-O-G-I-V.com forward slash church. A couple of months Peyton ago. Sent you. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> I got to forward this over to Kent. So he's like, hey, because his contract ended this month. I actually sent this to him already. Did you? Yeah. Sweet. 
I'll send it to him again. Hey, we got you another one. See? Keep keep the sponsorship up. Uh, which has been a great tool for online giving. If you work in ministry, even if you don't, think you'll ever plan a church, give this podcast a listen. I don't know my future, but this podcast in Cold Case Christianity, which we're going to put down there as, a, as maybe third or fourth place. I mean, they're good, but come on. It's Church Planner Podcast, Hardcore Church Planning, and then every other podcast out there. I was trying to form my life in ministry in a way that no other medium has been able to do. Well, thank you, Mr. Big Bird 5000. And uh, Mr. Big Bird 5000, I just want to answer you in the words of Roseanne, Roseanne, and Anna Dana. You sound like a real fun guy if you ever watch the old Saturday Night Live. But here's the deal. Um, both of our reviews on here, both of you guys are aspiring to be church planners. I I don't know how I feel about that. Um, RT Deep Blue, uh, you, you said, you know, I, I, I tried to figure out how and if to church plant. If we had the sound effect prepped right now, I'd be like, California, stay away from here. <laughs> about the message? Stay away from the box. And then we actually got an email submitted to us by uh, by the Spiritual Pizza. Who, who was that again? That was Big Bird 5000. Yeah. Because like he wrote, uh, in all seriousness though, guys, I was really sad to hear that episode 200 might be the last. Because <laughs> remember when I was like... That was a false alarm. I was like, uh, we're quitting at episode 200. And I, you didn't say anything. Like, you didn't give me any pushback. No. And I was like, no one even emailed in or said, please don't quit. Nothing. It was like... <laughs> Crickets. It wasn't our last one either, no, as you can tell. And we didn't there plan we on stopping that. It no, just... it, it was just something stupid. I know it's hard to believe we say stupid <laughs> things sometimes. So anyway, uh, Nathan is actually Big Bird 5000. We appreciate that, Nathan. And uh, let me see. I think I got another one here. Wow. Man, I printed out his, his like five times. Um, here it is. This is from... Uh, Sheriff Woody. It's got to be Sheriff Woody, right? Yeah. Sheriff Woody? Sharif Woody. Or it could be Sharif. It's S-H-R-F Woody. This podcast is one of the best resources I have found, not only in church planting, but in the church in general. Ding, ding, ding! <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I have lived in the South all our lives and are about to move to the city of, or to New York City in view of planting of church. Well, look, I'm going to tell you right now. Good luck with that one. Moving to New York. Dude, they don't even have Cracker Barrel up there. What in the heck are you thinking? The Lord did not begin putting planting on our hearts until just a few months ago. Well, I hope we haven't ruined that for you. So I'm reading and listening to everything I can. I'm reading Church Zero. Cha-ching! As well. These guys make me think and make me laugh. The Lord is definitely using them in my life. Just listen to it. Well, thank you so much, Sheriff Woody. Hey, Pete. I know this is a little late, but did we read these same interviews last week? No, we didn't. Okay. Because I was checking. I got to print it out. Uh, last week, you actually didn't show up, and I had to play the uh, Dan Sam's interview. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. But I appreciate you playing along. That, that, that was important. Yeah. The week before last, maybe? And then we even got an email, it looks like, from someone. Uh, nice. I don't know if it's from the same person or what, but we'll save that. No, no, this is. Wow. Both people left us reviews and emailed us. Brandon is Sheriff Woody. Because see, I'm nice. moving to New York City and from different. South Georgia. From South Georgia. Well, it's because it's not a review. Nice. He was actually asking a question. I sent that to you. Nice. So uh, anyway, guys, we appreciate you uh, leaving us your, your kind thoughts and uh, your unkind thoughts. We don't appreciate those ones. But the kind ones, we do. So keep it up. 
Is there anything else? Are we all done? Well, Pete. Can we go on to the, to the next topic? Yeah, I was, I was just thinking that, uh, you know, these guys, what they need if they're going to become good church planners is, uh, you know, a way to make sure that they can do cheap and easy online giving. You know, I was thinking that same thing because one of the keys to starting a church is to get money from people. You know, I actually that, that's wrote pretty much you, the whole reason you start a church, isn't it? Okay, so this is a true story. I, I I'm over at Pete's house. We're, we we had some projects we had to work on today, and uh, so I, I get over here and I I'm I'm going through the, the the Christmas cards I'm sending out, and I I, I write <laughs> I'm writing them and I, they're generic, and so I just hand them one and go here. And you laugh because we'll talk about your present in a minute, but your uh, anyways, Pete had a call, so I I continue doing my thing. And uh, I wrote Pete a new Christmas card that's really? sitting on his table. Yeah. And it says, Dear Pete, give me money. Lots and lots of it. And uh, it, it continues to go from there. But uh, anyway, I just figured your wife picked that up. And... You got to admit, that was good. That was good, even though it needed to be cut out. <laughs> Sorry, guys. There was a really great part in there that got cut. And then so I tried to revive it and he made me cut that part too yeah we had to cut two things that pete said it was no surprise it's always me man it's, it's always what i have to say remember hate mail goes to pete mitchell <laughs> pete so, at churchplannermag.com why don't you tell him what you got me as my christmas gift so uh i got pete a pair of wookie slippers with sound, where are they? <laughs> should we go get them? No. We should go get them. No. So <laughs> it's one size fits all, and uh, they are furry. They have big Wookie toes, and when you walk on them, they go <laughs> with every step. So They're so stinking the cool. I'm walking down the hall, it's like, <laughs> and so I was walking on my tiptoes. You were in the bathroom, and I get up to the bathroom door, and I'm all. <laughs> I told him, I said, hey, your wife's going to hate me for this. But what was funny is we we're trying to have a serious conversation. He's got the slippers on and he cannot concentrate. Like, I'm just, I don't know why, man. I just tune it out. You know, I told him, I'm always thinking of Star Wars when we're talking, but uh, he there's kept always interrupting. A, there's always well. a Wookiee growling in the back <laughs> of your head. Yeah, so that, that and, and I hate to say it, but uh, I haven't even shopped for uh, Peyton's gift. It's underwear. Remember, I was going to come over Dude. during your call. I was going to like try them on, try before you buy. I was going to try some of your underwear on, see Alan, if I like them. Alan Briggs posts on Facebook. Can't say that, huh? What? I can't say that. What? I was going to try your underwear on during the podcast, see if I like them. I think they might be too small for you. <laughs> so go on, Alan Briggs. So Alan Briggs posts on Facebook. Uh, what's the best question that anyone's asked you this last That's week or great. something like that? And so I decided to put a question in there and attribute it to Peyton Jones. So I put, um, I really like those Star Wars underwear. Or no, wait, what did I put? I put, uh, where'd you get those? Where do I get those yeah, Star it was, Wars it underwear? Was a, what's the best question someone asked you recently? And you put the question was, where do I get those Star Wars underwear? They make your butt look great. <laughs> to which Peyton says, I think you added something to that question. And I said, Oh, really? What did I add? And you go, I already know where to get... <laughs> I already know where to get the underwear. <laughs> Which means he's... Anyway, I just was... At first when I read that, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't know if anyone was going to get it. 
it took me a second, and then I just started dying when I saw that. <laughs> that was good. That was good stuff. So, okay, so here's my Smack Talk. Guys, obviously, Smack Talk, if you're new to the podcast, we don't apologize. This is what we do. And then, trust me, we'll get to the the chewy nugget in the middle. Um, here's the deal, though. So, I, I watch videos with my kids, and uh, some of the videos, I don't know if you know this, some of them are kind of strange on YouTube. They got really weird videos. So, I found myself watching um, fake foods in China. How do you know they're fake foods in China? Because there was a Chinese man talking about fake foods in China. And that grants you immediate authority. If you're a Chinese man talking about food in China, you know because you've been there. And apparently he has a Chinese food channel. And he said, as a special deal today, what I want to do is I want to talk about foods you need to be careful of in China. So the first thing he talked about was eggs. And and they look real. They they mix all these weird chemicals together because there's such a food shortage in China. Everything down to the, the white shell there's a food that you crack open in China. There's too many people. So so then synthetic rice that when you boil it, it does not expand and soften. So people eat it and it's really bad for your insides. Um, walnuts, because what you do is is they, they crack open the walnut, they sell the nut, and then they fill the inside with loose pieces of cement and glue it back together, and then they can sell them twice. That was crazy. It's can't Baked be real. foods in can't China. Be yeah, he's, not, he's like, no. And then he showed how, like, beef, how certain types of beef are, are really pork, and that uh, you can treat them to make them taste like beef because pork is so much cheaper to produce than beef. And uh, it was just crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. All this fake food. I don't even know what to take of that, man. So, but the really cool one I saw was vending machines all over the world. The weirdest things you can get out of vending machines. Did you hear that McDonald's is adding 10% more beef to the Big Mac? I did not know that. you know how much beef that means they're going to have now? 10%. <laughs> anyway, go to your vending machine. So vending machines. I mean, this is just something that has to be shared. You have to know this. So if you live in France, you can get, uh, there's a machine that bakes you a baguette because bakeries are only open like the first half of the day. So if you need a fresh baguette, it's partially cooked, but not all the way. And so you put your money in any time of day and it'll bake you. It'll like finish the baking process for a baguette. takes a couple minutes. Boom. Fresh baked baguette pops out. In Australia, you can get French fries. Out of a vending machine? Literally, it's frozen French fries. It fries them, deep fries them right there when you press the order. And you get hot French fries out. $2. We need that. I don't... I don't know what to take of that. The weirdest thing my daughter thought was bananas. That out of a vending machine? Yeah, I didn't think that was a big deal. Uh, the problem is the bananas, I could see them getting stuck and not be able to... Now, this was a particularly useful one. There was an underwear vending machine. You never know. We've all had those moments. No, we haven't. What moments have you had? Everybody's had those moments. I don't know what Go to work with a little about. touch of the flu. I'm just saying, a little I've... underwear vending machine might come in. You work from home, so... I've never had this <laughs> issue. I don't know what issues you've got when you get sick, but 
Now I understand the sign by the side of the pool that says, if you have diarrhea or have had it in the last 14 days, you're not allowed to swim in our pool. Have you seen that? No, but that's a good sign. Dude, we were at the Embassy Suites uh, for uh, Thanksgiving. We are up uh, visiting my folks. I wouldn't go in that pool. That would tell me there's a problem here. The Embassy Suites had that sign. I'm like, I would my not wife, go I go, in that pool. I go, read the sign. Read the sign. What I want to know is the 14-day rule. Like, how, how do they know? <laughs> I raise this other question we can't get into. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's a little but bit iffy. There are uses for vending machines. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things out there. People get out of vending machines all over the world. I think you crab. Go, I crab. Think. You can get crab out of vending machines, like in the shell and everything in China. But it's probably fake. I don't I don't know what to take of that. It's I'm just telling you, man, it's like watching the internet sometimes will expand your mind in a very bad way. I just want to know, did these come up in your Facebook feed or did you have to go searching for them on the internet? No, they came up on my YouTube channel listing because I watch a lot of weird kind of science-y things with my daughter. Yeah, I'm not not the big YouTuber that the millennials are. I. You know, I got a 100-inch screen. I'd rather watch my TV on a 100-inch screen than on my cell phone. It's just me. So You're missing out, man. So what's today's topic again? I think we should probably get into it. Today's topic is what to do when somebody in ministries... You you totally forgot, didn't you? No, I didn't. What was my topic? I was burping. What to do when somebody in ministry screws you over? Is there a better way to say that? I don't think there is. So, here's the deal. Um, every Everybody, I mean, Pete, you've been in business a long time. And, and we were just talking today about how, you know, people often will stab each other in the back or, or throw each other under the bus in business. And in ministry, you know, people have this idea that in ministry, um, I suppose really people should act better, but... Over the years, I don't think I've ever served with a minister that did not in some way, shape, or form um, stab me in the back to a certain degree. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, you've never worked with someone? No. In some way, so shape, or all, form. they've all stabbed you in the back? Yeah. And, and it may be to a lesser degree. It might be to a greater degree. So it could range everything from you know somebody firing you to something much smaller, like someone kind of locking you out of things or, um, you know, maybe they, they, they just seek to undermine you a lot. And, uh, and, and the problem is when you are a church planner, you often come to church planning with wounds and scars. And that can be something that can continue uh, to undermine you. So, so this kind of falls into the category of, See, here's, here's the first thought that I have going through my head when I hear someone say, everyone I've worked with has done that to me. It's kind of like the old saying, if you sit down to play poker and you look around the table and you can't spot who the sucker is, it's you. Yeah, most definitely. I'm just wondering how much of this yeah. is partially <clears throat> because of you, but I don't mean like, like yeah. you're the issue, but you know... Maybe some people are just, they rub other people the wrong way. And so what they take as a slight against them is not necessarily 
the other guy's fault. Well, I can say this. I can say that going into uh, many of the situations I've been in, because I'm an idealist and I can be altruistic, that there are times where I don't look after myself. In other words, like I go into something going, hey, this is for the Lord. Let's totally do it. Or I would agree to things or maybe I'd serve with, um, I remember going, okay, let me, let me tell a story. I'll tell you a story. Um, right before I church planted, probably the, the worst scenario I ever had was I, I, I left a church. Um, it was Lloyd Jones's church. I left that church. We had, you know, they were planting out and I'd given them a little bit of help doing that. But at that time, um, I really felt now I need to go take this church in, uh, West Wales, it was um, a Reformed Baptist church, and it was it was an elder-led church. So their government was, um, you know, multiplicity of elders. The problem was, and this is always a bad situation, there was only two. And so uh, had there been three, that could have made things easier, but it was two. So when we bumped into a disagreement, um, it was kind of be like, well, I, I don't agree. Well, I don't agree with you. Well, I don't agree with you. So what happened was I went into this church. Now, they hadn't had a pastor for 18 years. And the guy who is the elder there, he was the head of education for the county. And that in Welsh culture, that is a huge uh, uh, position. But in Welsh society, in old Welsh society, the only position that that kind of has a little bit more prestige, kind of like the way we'd see a doctor maybe, um, was a preacher. And so there was this, this, here I'm coming to this church. I haven't had a pastor for 18 years. The other elder, uh, you know, he's, he's the director of education. He's, he's very well respected in the community. And here comes this young punk kid. I'm like 20 something years old. I think I was 28 when I went there. And, um, he was, you know, easily 60 years old and a very competent guy, a very nice guy. Um, but what happened was, um, no sooner did I get there. Like, so anyways, we, we, they say, Hey, will you come? We can't pay you fully. And again, you know, I, I probably, because I'm an idealist, go into situations that are, that are less than ideal. And so right away, things started kind of changing. So, uh, they said, Hey, we, we can't pay you, but we got this awesome outreach opportunity. And I thought, Hey, well, that's cool. I'll get a job, which I did. Got a job firefighting. And then um, I was also the pastor there. And they said, hey, we got this cafe right across from the university. We can use that for ministry. So two things happened right away. I got there and almost immediately, like, like I remember we they gave me a contract. I signed it. And almost right away, maybe a week before I actually started there, they handed me, I had already moved everything. They handed me another contract. And that contract, rather than calling me the pastor, it changed the title to preaching elder. And at the time, I didn't really realize, you know, I don't care. I mean, you know, even now I'm like, hey, the, the title doesn't matter. But what ended up happening was it was a it was a strategic move to kind of say, well, look, you know, you're not going to be the pastor. You're not going to be um, anything more than what I am. You're the you're the preaching elder. I'll be the the the, the governing elder which they didn't say, but they definitely meant, which came up later. 
And so later it became uh, an issue of, I was just there as kind of like pulpit hire on the cheap because the other guy was so busy with his job. And so it, it was a quick power play at the 11th hour. I was young. I was naive. I didn't realize what would happen. But obviously, if you're in the pulpit, you start gaining, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you, you really capture people's hearts. And so what started happening was this guy who had been there for 12 years, pastor or church hadn't had a pastor for 18 years. Suddenly it was Saul is slain his thousands, but David is slain his tens of thousands. Suddenly now he started getting upset. In particular, his wife, who was ruling the church in his absence, really started to resent my presence there more and more. And she started speaking against me. She started um, saying things that were very divisive. And they would get back to us and we would go and we'd sit down with them as a couple. And, um, <clears throat> often, I mean, she was a real straight shooter. She'd say, yeah, I said that. And uh, she wouldn't deny it, you know, which was kind of refreshing. But, um, you know, she would say, yeah, I don't like that. And I'd say, well, why don't you come tell me about that? Don't don't go around and say that to other people. But anyways, uh, suddenly the next thing that happened was um, the cafe that we were going to use. Suddenly they, they made a vote that we couldn't use that for ministry. They said, you know what? There's too much money invested in this thing. A lot of it's come out of our personal uh, finances and we don't want to use it for ministry because we don't want it to get destroyed. And so, again, there was something that at the, you know, a little bit too late, I was there. And suddenly now I'm going, well, I came here under this understanding and now this has changed. And so over time, I mean, things just continue to go downhill and get worse. And the other thing was they said, well, we've got all these preachers booked, you know, um, we can't, we can't really have you in the pulpit as much as we thought, would you mind if for the next six months we, uh, you know, we, we have these, and I, being me, I go, sure, no problem. We'll do that. And uh, of course, you know, I've told this story before, but it all came to a head when we started one of the, the things in the, in the job description was I would start an evening English service. And as I, as I did, um, people started getting saved out of the community. And I think I mentioned this on another podcast that the people who came from the Welsh uh, community, Welsh speaking community, because that's that's their language and they love their language. Those people started coming to faith in our English service. Well, the, the, the elder's wife, who already didn't like me, this really started getting her riled up because they had this little and it was kind of sad. It was a sad little Welsh service, but I believed it. I believed it was good. I believed it was a, a worthy thing. Um but all the people that they wanted to reach from the Welsh service wouldn't come to their Welsh service. There was a cultural reason for that, but they ended up coming to the English service and getting saved. And it started growing. It actually started growing faster than the church itself, our outreach. When that started happening, we actually started reaching the Welsh-speaking community. There became a division much like in Jerusalem uh, where it says there, that immediately after Pentecost, there arose a division between the Jews and the Hellenists. It, there was a cultural divide and a cultural split. And I'm on one side of it saying, hey, you know, this is just what the Lord's doing. I mean, I'm, I've, I've done what you've asked. I can't control who comes to this and who gets saved. But again, it was a, it was a jealousy. So at that point, they made a move to get rid of me. And it went to an actual vote, which they lost 
And we had a moderator and the moderator said, look, whoever loses the vote, um, they need to go. Everybody agreed. I agreed. They agreed. And then um, after they lost the vote, they said, no, we're staying here and we're going to make life miserable for you. You're not to be the pastor. And, and in, in the end, I felt that actually was what the Lord was saying. But anyways, that, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's about as, as bad as it can get when someone tries to remove you from a pastorate of a growing church. And so, um, like I said, they, they wouldn't have been successful, but I felt the Lord kind of put on my heart, hey, it's time to go. But, but, but that said, I really, really struggled with the hurt of that um, for a long time to come because, uh, you know, I resigned. And there's a lot of cool things that kind of confirm, yeah, this is the Lord. I waited two weeks. I was voted in 9-11. I handed my resignation to the guy on 9-11, said, hey, you know, even to the last minute, I was trying to be cool. I'm like, hey, man, doesn't have to end this way. You know, let's let's work it out. Um, I walked it to his house. I didn't mail it. I didn't email it. I walked it. I humbly said, hey, man, I know there's been, you know, but we can work this out. And he was, he was almost swayed then. But then, you know, he... Uh, his wife kind of said, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, and so the church has gone back to the way it was. Um, they've never had a pastor again. I don't think they ever intend to. But for me, I that kind of broke my heart and it and it made me quit ministry. And it, it got that was kind of the straw that broke the camel back. I I have other stories and and so I don't think I'm a, the the sucker at the party. Um, I, you know I I can imagine slights as much as the next guy, but um, things really and truly have happened, and I felt that pain. And over the years, I've had to um, kind of work through that. And it's not an easy thing to work through when you feel that that people and it can be a a minister you've served with. I I know we had a a church planner who wrote in. Um, to jump school. And in fact, I can't remember if it was a live call, Pete, but he was like, Hey, you know, we moved everything. Oh, yeah. And he goes, And once we got here and we're all ready to start our church, the church informed us, uh, We're not going to support you. All the things we promised you, we're and not going to support we're you. We're not going to send you. And we're not going to send you. And, 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 and I think it had something to do with the proximity. It was your- Well, that's what we thought was because it ended up, it was only like 20 miles away. And <clears throat> people were like, probably afraid that that means you're going to steal all of our people. Yeah. Which, to be frank about it, 20 miles away, there's got to be at least, what, 100 churches in between <laughs> you and them. So, whatever. But but these things happen, and, and, and people are human. You know, I love what John Wesley said. First thing that really helped me was, I think it hurts more when you're shocked by it. Because again, I'm altruistic, and I'm idealistic, and I put myself in weird situations, because I think, hey man, yeah, totally for the kingdom, let's do it. And uh, and my wife over the years has kind of been like, hey, that's really stupid. Why would you do that? And, and over the years, I've gained a little bit of wisdom. I, I can't say I've gained tons. But I used to be shocked. So I think one of the things I realized is kind of what John Wesley said. He said, the only thing you should ever expect from people is to be disappointed. Mm. And I think once I kind of got that, that, hey, these guys are as human as I am. And maybe that was that guy's struggle. Because I could, if, if I look back in hindsight, the guy who was the elder with me, like I said, I still love that guy. Um and I, and I still, but I think he was in a very difficult place. His wife had been running the church 
because he was so busy before I got there. I basically, it wasn't that I stepped on his toes. It was that I took her job away. And, you know, uh, so I kind of get it. But, man, I remember seeing him at a gas station not long afterwards. And he was nice to me. And I was, I don't want to talk to him. I, I didn't tell him to get away from me. I just said, hey. I turned my back on him and kept pumping my gas. And I was so hurt, man. And the reason I did that is because I thought, I'm going to either scream at him or grab him. He's six years old. You know, I want to kill him. And He's six years old? 60. Oh, 60 years old. 60 years old. So the next time I saw him, he crossed the street to the to the opposite side of the street. And I thought, man, I got to get out of this town. And I've told stories about how God led me to healing because, you know, for a long time, I struggled with that. So I think the first step in dealing with that is to know that these guys are sinners. Don't put anyone, administer anyone else on another playing field as if uh, they're better or they're not going to do that. Um, and if you think about it, right, Jesus, um, all of all of his disciples, I mean, they were his friends. Not only did they desert him, but Peter also denies him. And so I learned to kind of take refuge um, in some of the Psalms where you know, they're prophetic. And, you know, it says, and you, my brother, we went to the house of God together. We, you know, we made sacrifices together. And even you have betrayed me. I mean, David knew this kind of pain and he knew what it was to be betrayed by people that he sought the Lord with. And so this is nothing new, you know? No. And I, I also think too, and I know we're not going to get into this and I don't think we want to get into this, but it just reminds me of uh, of what we see going on on the internet right now with like what's happening in Calvary Chapel. Yeah. And the thing that kind of amazes me is on the internet, people don't mind saying the most absurd, hurtful things ever mm. that they would never say to someone's face to face. But, like, the internet, we just don't have any problem. Like, I understand on blogs where you can totally hide behind anonymity in the comment section. Um, but even on Facebook, like, I'm looking at some of these guys and I'm like, dude, seriously? Do you realize how angry you sound? Mm. How much of a jerk you sound like? Like, maybe you're in the right. I don't know. But yeah. the way that you're talking... No one's going to, well, that's not true. Idiots are going to sign with you. Yeah. But it's it's like, and we, do, we see a lot of this, and I think because of the age of the internet, pastors are going to have to deal with this a lot. You're going to have to deal with the anonymity of the internet. You're going to have to deal with, I mean, we see this all the time with uh, junior hires and high schoolers where kids will make fake accounts just so they can bully someone. And they do the same thing. I mean, adults are doing the same thing. I mean, those junior hires and high schoolers are now adults, and they still do the same things. And I think I think you're right. I mean, people are going to have to really um, deal with this stuff that comes up. Yeah. And and people just wanting to hurt you. Well, and sometimes, you know, like in, in ministry in particular, you know, kind of like with David and Saul, you're going to find people that... Um, you know, they, they're the king or they feel insecure. And, and when you're, when you're successful, um, you know, let's say you preach well or people come to faith under your preaching or people say, Oh, I love so and so's preaching or whatever it is. Um, if a, if a minister is insecure rather than celebrating with you, 
um, he'll see that as a threat to himself. I think all of us as leaders need, and there's an, an incredible book written um, about this called The Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. Um, that book basically starts off and it, it tells a story of David when he was a kid under Saul and how Saul uh, kept trying to pin him to the wall. And the, the amazing thing is he says the reason why God allowed David to go through that was so that when David became king, and Absalom came up under him. Because remember, at that point now, now David is in the position of Saul. And Absalom, his son, comes up and, and basically leads a rebellion and takes the crown from him. But David refuses to become Saul. He refuses. And just like he trusted the Lord at the hands of Saul uh, when he was being persecuted by the king, when he's in that position of power, um, he refuses to act like Saul did. In fact, he just says, hey, I'm going to trust the Lord on this. Of course, everything does get restored back to him. But Gene Edwards makes a point in that book. He says, you know, the reason why uh, God allowed him to come under threat of Saul's spear is so that he would learn never to be the one that would throw the spear to a younger leader, you know, throw it at or try to pin someone else to the wall. And I think like right now, I serve with an amazing leader called Mac Lake. And I can honestly say with this dude, he is so competent and so humble that all of our successes are his successes. And that's the kind of leader you want to be. You want to be the kind of leader where when you are doing well, um, somebody's rejoicing with you because they're pouring into you and they want to see you surpass them. I can remember being a, a youth pastor and my greatest joy it kind of like John says in Third John, he says, I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking with the Lord. I think as a youth pastor, you kind of feel, and this is kind of like a father, you want to see your son in a weird way. It kind of hurts, you know, as you're getting older, but you want to see your son become a better man than you. You want to see the leaders that you lead up and train up and church planners become the leader that you learn from, if that makes sense. Does that kind of... It does. And, you know, in, in business, I think a lot of this, too, has to do with personality. And different personalities respond to different things different ways. So one of my first business partners. Is this like if you're a shark and a sea turtle? <laughs> one of my first business partners, um, we were really good friends. And this is before, really, I knew what I know today. And, and I've since learned I don't go into business with friends because they're friends. Like that's not the reason to get into business with people because it ruined the friendship. Yeah. And we're not, we're not friends to this day, but he was, um, he was obsessed with being in the spotlight. So a large part of what we had to do is we would go out and we'd do public speaking and we'd be selling product kind of like how I still do today. And for me, I didn't care about who was in the spotlight. <laughs> I cared about the money, right? That kind of figures for me. Yeah. It was all about, like, I want to make the most amount of money. And I don't care who needs to be in the spotlight to do it. Right. And it was funny to me because whenever he would go out and speak, he would sell just as much as I would sell. So mm -hmm. I never cared. Right. I was like, I, I really don't care who goes out there and speaks because we both sell the same amount. I'm good. Yeah. But... He would get bent out of shape if I was asked to go speak somewhere and he wasn't. 
because I was a much better speaker, but it right. didn't translate into more sales. Right. So to me, I was like, who gives a rip? I mean, <laughs> it's not translating into more sales. But he would get totally bent out of shape. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that was a personality thing. Like he needed to be uh, the center of attention in the the Enneagram, which is kind of like uh, the disc test or, you know, one of those. It's a personality profile. He would be a, what they call a three. Hollywood is a three mentality. It's look at me, look at me, look at me. And and there's nothing wrong. These are just all different personality yeah. types, right? Yeah. And that wasn't me. I'm not a look at me for the sake of looking at me. Um, but how you would translate this into the church, and we've talked about this. If your goal is really, I want to see lost people saved, yep. then to you, it's not going to matter who's at the front, who's at the spotlight, yeah. who's getting all yeah. the attention. Like, I can honestly say, looking at a guy like Rick Warren, Rick Warren, I could see him very easily going, I don't care if I'm in the spotlight. Yeah. I just want to see lost people saved. Yep. Uh, there are other people who I wouldn't say that about at all who are, you know, yeah. mega pastors. Yeah. They've got to be the spotlight. <laughs> in fact, I just saw I just saw a Babylon Bee article that was hilarious. <laughs> I'm not going to bring it up. But all right, don't bring it. It was funny. It was so But th- this is what I'm saying. In that situation I went into, I didn't care what they changed the title. Like, it was only in hindsight that I looked back and went, oh, my gosh. Like, I can see it now. But even then, like in the beginning when they're like, hey, you're only going to be in the pulpit once a month. I was like, that's okay. You know, my mentors tell me, no, 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 no. Don't do that. But again, for me, it's always, even even to the point where team leadership for me now, you know, when I plan a church, I'm not in the pulpit every week. You know, I'm wanting to raise up other people. That's important. And then when when our guys do well, you know, it's it's awesome. You know, it's it's kind of because then, you know, they're going to be ready to multiply. And so going back to, to, to how we heal, you know, I would tell you, I went through a very, very dark time for a very long time. In fact, uh, I, I, I think I mentioned this in jump school. I think I told this story with uh, the guy who raised the, the issue. DVDs? The uh, the jump school guy? course. Oh, which, the course. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, and and I mentioned that you know I was a firefighter, so I didn't work every day, um, and I had a lot of time to landscape my garden. Well, then I'm in my head, and I'm mulling it over, and it's getting darker and darker, and I'm I'm praying you know cuss word prayers to God and ranting and writing my own deprecatory psalms you know God break the, break their teeth and smash their infants against the rocks I mean David wrote stuff like that he felt stuff like that so I'm writing this horrible you know just pain filled prayers and 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 hymns in my own heart. Meanwhile, going, God, I'll never work for you again. And um, and so when I found myself kind of, you know, standing in a Starbucks with a, a room full of non-believers who wanted to know Jesus and, you know, wanted to study the book of Mark and started becoming a church plant, I kept trying to give it away to, to anybody in the room who is more fit uh, spiritually to, to do it because I was, I felt very unfit. I was angry. I was cussing a lot. I, I was, you know, I was just in a very dark place and, and I couldn't remember just kind of talking to God and the healing for me, there, there were, there were three things. I can remember going to a conference, uh, and this prophetic guy came up to me out of the blue and he goes, you, I, I need to talk to you. 
And uh, I didn't know this guy at all. And I was very skeptical at this point of people that were charismatic, Pentecostal, uh, less so than, than now. But he, he ended up saying, hey, I don't know you, but I feel like I have a burden from the Lord for you. And, uh, and he just started speaking into my situation. I'm telling you, man, it was like he read my mind. And the words and the prayer that he prayed over me were healing. And that was a start. But also, too, I started learning. And, and, and one of the things he said was, he's like, look, man, you're standing in carnage and blood. and You need to step out of it. Like I was choosing to wallow in this stuff. Mm. And so the first step for me was to get out of it, you know, just stop wallowing in it. It's done. It's in the past. And the second way that I learned to kind of move fast was to, to look at my sin because I was doing terrible. And to take this other guy and and put his sins against me under under the blood of Jesus and to take him to the cross, take it to Calvary. Because at that moment, um, it, it had to be an act of the will. I felt nothing but anger and uh, hurt and resentment at this individual. And I think forgiveness is the path to healing. You see, when someone hurts you, they've hurt you once. But if you continue to live in that hurt and pain, you're giving them the power to repeatedly hurt you over and over and over. And so when God says forgive, he's freeing you. He's not uh, he, He's not saying it you know, because he, he wants to make your life even more difficult. He's saying, I want to free you from constantly allowing this person to hurt you. You're giving that person the power to constantly hurt you. So Jesus telling us forgive 70 times 7 as many that became literal to me. I had to forgive this guy sometimes multiple times a day and it became an act of the will. I did not have the feelings for a long time. I can now say you've heard me talking about him now. Um I can say I love him, I can say I've forgiven him, I can it doesn't hurt anymore. But that some of that was time sure, but a lot of it was kind of like the the old you know twelve step recovery uh, addict says you know I was working the steps man I was working the twelve steps and one of those steps is to forgive people that have hurt you and declare their record of wrongs and I had to do that and then the third thing guys is the way that you move okay uh, I would say just as a as a parenthesis don't talk about it don't like talk about it if you need to with your spouse. But be careful. Talk it out with your friends. But be careful. Don't allow that to become a session where you just rant and dump and you know you, you get them all weirded out. Instead, if you need to talk to a counselor, fine. But make sure you're talking to God. Every day you're talking to God about it. But, but the third thing that I was going to say, as I was just an aside, the third thing is you need to... Uh, and, I, and I know people say, oh, you need a ministry detox. And I'm, I'm a big believer in ministry detox. But I think you need to get back ministering again. Because if somebody's hurt you so bad that it's actually stopped you ministering, the healing often doesn't complete its cycle until you're back serving people again, until God is using you again. And you realize that was not the end of the world. That was not the end of the universe for me. And, and, and you start experiencing God using you in new ways 
in new scenarios, in, in other people's lives, in new frontiers. And I would say that's one of the major, major things. But like Gene Edwards in his book, um, I would say to you that one of the key things to keep in mind is that experience happened for a reason. If, if nothing else than to live out First Peter, Peter, if you want to have a book about suffering uh, wrongfully, when you feel like you, you've been innocent and you've just been trying to serve the Lord, that is the book for you. First Peter chapter 5 and also 2 Corinthians, where Paul is being just raked through the mud, raked over the coals by the Corinthians when he's done nothing to them. You know, he served them. His motives are being called into question. He's, he's being accused of things. Those two books are going to be your best friend during a time like that. Well, you know, one other thing that I think um, pastors might might need during all of this is, you know, there's usually a lot of stress from paperwork. <laughs> that was a great segue, Pete. <laughs> and, you know, if they can unburden themselves of, you know, perhaps payroll or bookkeeping, insurance, web design... Do you know of a way that they might be able to do that? Is there a step for that? Yes, Pete, because actually that can stop the healing process. Um, If you're burdened with all that, uh, you can't be focusing on that. You need to focus on things that matter. That's right. I I would turn those people to SimplifyChurch.com. What? Oh, yeah. Man, it is the pathway to healing. (laughs) Wholeness, wealth, and prosper. Oh, wait, wait. Wrong podcast. (laughs) SimplifyChurch.com. We take care of all your needs. Financial bookkeeping and IRS services. Payroll. Disclaimer. (laughs) Well, cool, man. I appreciate that. Why don't you uh, go ahead and sign us out. And remember, guys, next week, it's going to be a special Star Wars episode. I'm just saying. It is, but I'm going to... I will have watched it. You will have, (laughs) but uh, we'll have have Pete kind of saying all the things he can say spoiler-free. Because yours truly will not have seen it yet. But after that, get ready for the Star Wars episode. And this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.